Hey, I'm Paige. I am packing over a decade of experience and a four-year bachelor degree into bite-sized power punches, you know, like a coffee date style conversation, but in the comfort of your home. If you're looking for candid comments on business, leadership, and getting the courage to be unapologetically you, you're in the right place. Welcome to my voice memos turned podcast, five foot one on a good day. I have worked in two high-end industries, and I've gone a lot of job directions in between that were a little random. Last week, as part of my Authenticity in Business series, which I mentioned on social media, but in my own humanity, totally forgot to inform you of what was actually happening here, which was a little bit of a big learning moment for me. But regardless, we are in the middle of my Authenticity in Business series. Episode 8 was the kickoff for this, where I started to visit some of the previous jobs that I have held and the ways that authenticity did or did not show up there. As we've revisited those moments together, thank you for joining me. I've also been sharing with you the lessons that I have learned along the way and the takeaways that I believe you should consider applying in your own personal authenticity and business journey. Episode eight talked about the retail dressing room experience and discussed bridging the gap between authenticity and servant leadership in a setting that required constant adaptation. Episode nine then talked about authenticity in a high-end retail setting where it can be really tempting to dim your authentic self in order to fit the mold, doing so all while you attempt to hold space for your clients. So in this episode, I'm visiting a very different high-end setting, one that was not retail, shockingly, (laughs) in which my role was the primary point of communication for very large transactions. And in case you haven't yet gotten to experience a high-value workplace, or maybe you don't want to, higher of anything often means higher stress, higher stakes, higher guidelines, and less communication overall. My role was more communication, and it needed to be done very well and very often. But just because that was my role didn't mean that it was everyone else's focus, too. And it was here in this role that I was aggressively reminded of the immense need to authentically cover your employees, your clients, and yourself. And if you don't have a team, or maybe your clients are short-term transactions, or you feel like you're doing pretty dang good overall, Just settle in for a few. I think you're going to hear things that are applicable to wherever your authentic business journey is today. So like I said, in business, there is a need to authentically cover your employees, your clients, and yourself. It's super important, and yet it's not a subject that is often approached in a holistic and appropriate way. So what does this covering word actually mean? I believe that the concept of creating a covering has three distinct characteristics that are made up of three key habits each. If you are working on your, you know, if you're working out on your stationary bike right now, you're driving, or you're on a run with your dog, please remember to come back to this episode later. You will want to take notes. I promise. So covering is made up of three characteristics, community, communication, and commitment. So what is community? Because as a boss, you do not want to be solely responsible for cultivating community because it can draw up some really, really pretty blurry lines, actually. But you also don't want to diminish the value and the need for community. 
And as an employee, you likely desire community, but not necessarily in the workplace, because inside of the workplace looks dramatically different from your community outside of the workplace, providing that you have established one, which not all of us have yet. And as a client, you want to be invited into community while you are in rapport with the community or with the company, excuse me, that you're working with. But the community from the company cannot and will not always be a place for long-term engagement in that same capacity. The first key habit of community is support. Across all three of these channels, for the employee, the client, and for yourself, an aspect of support needs to be in place in order for the concept of community to be welcomed and empowered. And as an employee, you need to have access to the support of your team. This could look like having someone having your back for a crappy client encounter, or having someone to walk to the nearby coffee cart or cafe with during breaks, or simply being able to go to your boss or HR department with a tough question. For the leaders of these teams, it's absolutely vital that we create an openness when it comes to questions and concerns, and that we learn how to address them in a way that is authentic and honoring to the concern of the person in front of you. You need to be engaging with your team to help model that building healthy coworker rapport is encouraged, and to model that your team truly does care for the well-being of one another. You can only achieve this when you both model it and become a part of it in a way that upholds boundaries and encourages a safe workplace environment. The second key habit that cultivates community is trustworthiness. There's a research presentation by the Center for Creative Leadership called Why Trust is Critical to Team Success, and you can access it and find it if you go to ccl.org. But their research suggests that some of the benefits to building trust within your team are that people's engagement is deepened, it fosters collaboration, adjustments to growth are easier, and trust overall drives change. And how you build trust within your team is on you. I may visit it at some point, but trust has to do with the people and the personalities of both yourself and your team. You have got to put in the work before you reap any benefits of trust in the workplace. Because you're likely walking into a workplace, at least on day one, with nothing. You have no collaborations previously conquered with these people. No current coworker relationships already set in place. You just have your experience your knowledge, and hopefully the desire to show up well. You started off your first day with an empty, like, metaphorical bowl, you know? And if you put in the work and the right ingredients, you may end up baking something awesome. And it may take a few tries to get it right, but you're responsible for putting in the work to try and get it right in whatever capacity that that may look like for you and your workplace relationships. Trust for your clients, however is likely something that you are very, very familiar with, at least I would hope. This is a much easier subject for us to discuss as teams, as bosses, and maybe as the person helping you get accustomed to your new role. We harp on this idea, especially with new employees, that the customer deserves the best experience possible from us, that they need to feel that we have their backs, and that we want them to have every dang reason to give us five-star reviews. What we don't discuss, though, is that clients feel the energy that is flowing from your work environment the second you open the doors. If your team enjoys each other, is kind to one another, and genuinely cares 
about creating a trustworthy space for your clients, your clients will feel that. However, if your business or your business model sees clients as dollar signs and open doors to opportunity, the lack of authenticity for inviting them into a trustworthy culture where they would be actually truly taken care of, well, let's just say that difference becomes pretty darn visible when you aren't stuck in the middle of it all. So when your clients walk in, they're not in the middle of the chaos in the situation that you are. They're experiencing the aftermath in the midst of it. The third habit to creating community is providing an opportunity to engage. So still under the umbrella of community and in reference to what covering means is the opportunity for engagement. Now, my role in this particular company was to help spread the word about events that we were a part of, to invite our clients in to participate, and letting them know the many ways that these events would support and benefit their and our communities. There was never any expectation that they, like, had to attend, but they were welcome because we were putting on casual, fun, family-friendly functions that we provided at pretty much, I think most of the time, no cost to them. Our clients were repeatedly given an opportunity to engage with our company and our vision. Employees were also invited to attend, but their offers for engagement were extended in other ways. We had weekly meetings, holiday events, and monthly birthday parties in which employees were invited to engage with one another in. We had small team meetings and then much larger monthly regional meetings. There were large-scale conferences, service trips, and opportunities, and all of these things represented a multitude of employee engagement strategies. Employees were repeatedly given an opportunity to engage with the company and its vision. And if you are the leader within your company, you are responsible for seeking out ways that you can engage with all levels of the company. Maybe maybe it's time to host a seminar or a Q&A session, or maybe a think tank style meeting with a certain hierarchy of your team, or perhaps an extra volunteer or service outing that benefits your clients or community. You got to figure out what this looks like for you because you also need to have space and opportunities to engage with your company and its vision. The second distinct characteristic of this concept of covering is communication. And the first habit of communication is this, it's follow through. A 2019 survey of U.S. adults, and the survey was conducted by YouGov and later addressed in an article by the Washington Post, found that 30% of adults ghost each other as a way to end relationships. It's pretty safe to say, overall, probably from your experience and mine and the data, that follow-through is lacking in many arenas in our culture. People ghost intimate partners, their friends, family, and increasingly, actually, their employers. When we accompany that with emotionally stunted growth and lacking communicative conflict strategies, yeah, follow-through is going to be a tough habit to cultivate in the workplace. But here's the truth. You can't force someone to lean into cultivating a healthy habit of follow-through. You can encourage them. You can give them strategies. You can suggest points of view in that habit. Uh, you can create value in that habit. Or you can threaten them all day long. But there will always be another place for them. And you don't necessarily want to lose them. So my suggestion is this. 
model good follow through above and beyond. Show that this is a really healthy strategy that leads to a holistic workplace in each and every level of your company's hierarchy. Are you part of the custodial groundskeeping or, you know, you just consider yourself a staff member? Cool. Learn ways that you can show amazing follow through in your role. And if you're on the other end and you're a business owner, learn ways to show amazing follow through in your role. You need to be accountable wherever you are at. If we know that this concept of ghosting has been around since 2006 and has become an increasingly popular strategy for ending relationships, then you can also assume that your clients need to see that you, a real person, an employee, a leader, and as their point of contact, will follow through with the things that you say. And it should be noted, this is exactly why we don't overpromise and underdeliver. Because if you are cultivating the habit of good, solid follow-through, you need to be able to back up your words with actions that are helpful, true, and in alignment with your business's culture. The second habit of communication is empathy. When we talk about empathy, we need to talk about what empathy is not. Empathy is not belittling your team and your clients in your mind so that you feel sorry enough for them to take pity on their situation. And I get it. We're all going to push back a little mentally in this moment because we pretty much feel like we got empathy figured out. But give yourself a few minutes, maybe even pause this episode and ask, where do you shut down in communication? At what point do you check out, lean away, give up, or become selfish? Because these can all be wonderful defense mechanisms that reveal an internal need for boundaries, and I'm serious, or they can be hindrances in conversation and conflict de-escalation. It totally depends on like where your coping strategies are or where you're rerouting the conversation. Those sorts of defense mechanisms come into play and what they're revealing in that moment. They may not qualify as good or bad or even neutral, but they are revealing. And that's why it's important to look into like how you show up in conversations. Are you truly from the depths of your soul able to hold space for someone else when you communicate? It should be a never ending goal with continual lessons along the way. And trust me, you will get those continual lessons and opportunities for growth every day along the way. But as we lean into talking about communication and kind of in tandem with empathy is the third habit of communication, the habit of honoring the other person's humanity. The person on the other side of your communication is human. They may be showing up in an automated email that they crafted. They could be writing an awful, awful review behind a screen, or perhaps they are sharing their knowledge of profanities through the phone. Regardless, they are still human. And their, their behavior aside, now keep in mind, this could be an employee's behavior, your behavior, or your client's behavior. That person is still human. And I have found that healthy communication in the workplace begins with the constant reminder that we are all human. We have good days, bad days, empty days, and overly full days. But at the end of each of those, we are still gifted the opportunity to honor the humanity in one another, the things that make us unique, that have crafted and shaped our stories, the experiences that only we will understand, 
our quirks, our humor, our concerns, and our perception of each and every moment. There are things that are unique to us and our humanity, and if we can learn to honor that in one another, empathy, communication, and even community will start to come a lot easier. The third and final distinct characteristic of covering is commitment. And the first habit of commitment is this. It's protection or confidentiality. Now, you might be asking why. It's pretty, you know, it's, I was going to say simple. It's not actually a simple concept at all. (laughs) It goes through a lot of depth, but I can put it very simply. Simply put, because confidentiality shows protection of the relationship. When you maintain like your legal requirements for keeping a client's personal documents safely locked away, you are showing protection and value for the relationship between the business and the client. But when you maintain privacy, confidentiality, and trust between yourself and your teammates, you're essentially saying this, hey, I value you and the relationship that we have. Because of that, I choose to put up healthy boundaries and to guard the information that you are sharing with me. It reveals a commitment to the relationship. I do need to add here, though, that sometimes these walls that were initially created to protect, it's possible that they can bring harm. So be sure to check yourself. Are you engaging in unhealthy workplace gossip under this guise of protection, boundaries, or trust? Or are you having coworkers share things with you that you probably know should be addressed outside of the initial conversation? Pay attention to these things. Sometimes you need to set up boundaries mid-conversation or redefine the boundaries going forward. And other times, people are in danger and it's important to speak up. So you are capable of discerning where these lines are, and you are also capable of discerning what is normal conversation and what is too much for you to engage in emotionally. Boundaries and relationship balanced with communi- com- commitment excuse me, to the health and the wholeness of this said relationship will fluctuate depending on where you are, who you are, and who you are with. The second habit of commitment is assurance or rapport. Assurance is kind of an odd aspect of commitment that isn't widely visited or considered within the workplace. But think of it this way. Assurance is an aspect of rapport building. If you are in a friendship and your friend never asks you how you're doing, they talk at you instead of with you, they don't hold space for your opinion, and they never ever say, hey, it was super fun grabbing a drink with you. A, it's going to feel like your friend is a brick wall with like a speaker playing a single recording on repeat, yet with no breathing room between the lines and the recording. (laughs) And B, you are never going to leave an interaction with that person feeling assured in your relationship. Now, we would rarely accept this in a outside of work friendship or relationship, yet it is so widely accepted in the workplace. If you are incapable of expressing your appreciation of your team, clients, employer, or boss to each of those particular parties, then you have a wonderfully beautiful opportunity to lean into growing your commitment to communication and to your workplace relationships. Let people know that you do appreciate them. You appreciate the things that they do and how they show up in their roles and do so in a way that is authentic to you and to how you show up daily in the world around you. Build rapport with those around you and I promise that your genuine intentions will take you farther, faster than no effort at all.
The third habit of commitment is one that I honestly wish I didn't need to discuss, (laughs) but it's training. And I'm just going to say this. If you're lacking a solid training program for your team or your employees, you need one. If you lack the follow-through for continued learning or lack the intentionality to seek it out, you've got to do better. And if you are unable to accurately and empathetically educate your clients on your process and train them to provide the information needed at various aspects throughout the transaction, you've got to figure out how to bring an educational aspect to your sales pitches and your processes. Your clients, employees, team, and your own dang self deserve the commitment to continued education, training, and in-the-moment learning. So take a breath because that was a lot, but now you know what I mean when I say this abundant need to cover your clients, your employees, and yourself. So within the workplace, going forward with that understanding of what covering means, I want to first address covering your clients. And this is totally dependent on the industry that you are in. So it will actually be the shortest little segment of this episode, but it means, you know, confidentiality, creating space for your clients letting them know what they can expect, and providing consistent updates with relevant information. And I'm really, I'm not going to spend too much time here because I believe that you're capable of crafting a business model that values the experience of your clients. And if you're not super comfortable with that yet, pay attention because in the near future, I'm going to be launching a one-on-one coaching course, and I would love to chat with you more about that. So save your questions for then. (laughs) But Really, the points that I want to address in today's episode is covering the employees and covering yourself. So when we talk about authentically covering your employees, if you have a team, meetings, kind communication, and many life lessons during your weekly meetings are not enough if you are projecting your stress onto your team. Those are great starting points, but if you're not consistent, then a weekly two-hour meeting or cover-up does not cut it. Okay. You have to put in more effort than that. And if you work in an office space where your doors are thin, (laughs) plan your conversations accordingly, because that is like one of the most basic things about covering your employees. If we talk about confidentiality and trust and empathy, make sure that that you're not having conversations that are tough or maybe, you know, touch on really personal things with them in a space where other people can hear. One of the things that happened to me in this role, uh, which goes back to this basic of like respecting people's privacy and confidentiality. I had a coworker, not my boss. He was working with a client and I was the point of communication on his behalf. And he was attempting to cut some corners. He wanted their transaction to get processed faster And really, because of the lack of information I had from the client, it wasn't going to get processed faster. In fact, they were slowing it down, and there were many legalities that I had to go through to get the information that I needed. And so there wasn't a way to, like, cut corners and get it figured out. And so my coworker came in to address this with me. And my coworker was very frustrated, visibly. And that automatically put me on the defense because he came in, slammed my office door. There was a window in my office, which to this day I'm very thankful for. But 
there was no like personal bubble when he walked into the room. I was sitting at my desk. He came over to my desk, leaned over me, started telling me what to click on on my own computer, started telling me what to look up, didn't really give me a lot of detail about why he was frustrated. I ended up piecing it all together and it got a little, a little ugly simply because there was a boundary that was crossed in that moment. There was a physical boundary that was crossed due to proximity and space. There was an emotional boundary with his anger and his frustration for me not honestly breaking legal processes to speed up the transaction. And so I, when this was over, went and found my boss and said, hey, here's what happened. (laughs) I'm not cool with that. So I'm going to need you to address this on my behalf. We didn't have an HR department. So I was like, all right. This is my course of action. Like I tried to tell him, these are my boundaries. You need to step back from my desk. I stood up. It didn't go anywhere. Like it wasn't, it wasn't good. It was a really bad, felt very unsafe interaction. And so my boss was very empathetic and he was very kind and he was like, yeah, I will totally address this with him. Okay. Our walls were paper thin. So I hear him go into the office next to me. He says, hey, what happened in this scenario? And my coworker says, I don't know, man. I didn't do anything differently than I would have with you or anyone else here. And even after I'd given all of those details of my perception of my experience, which I don't share with you for, for sympathy at all, I just want you to know like these things happen and they are things that you need to pay attention to in the workplace. And if you're an employer, you need to listen to your employees when they say things because this is how trust is built or broken. So when my coworker said, like, I don't know, man, (laughs) my boss said, and I heard through these paper-thin walls with our computers facing each other with a thin wall in between us, he said, yeah, man, you're doing fine. She's overreacting. Just say we had a conversation if you ever get asked. And he walked out, and that was it. So I say that because regardless of the team meetings, the kind communication, the uh quite honestly, biblical studies and many life lessons that were brought to these meetings, they were not enough because our boss projected stress on us every day. Uh, There were unrealistic expectations and there was not follow through. So pay attention to these things if you're a leader. Really, really, really focus on breathing life into your team and find out what that looks like for you personally. Where are your boundaries? How will you hold true to the things that people are trusting you with, whether it's a client and their documents, whether it's a sale of a high-end product, or whether it's a person and their experience? Pay attention. So now, you as an employee, if you are not covered by your employer or your leader, I'm going to talk to you about a few things about covering yourself. And I do owe you a little bit of a disclaimer. I will bring up a few things that regard, you know, depending on your workplace experience, there might be workplace instances that I mentioned that may feel traumatic. They may bring up tension in your body. And although I will not focus on these things long, I do want you to know that I will mention sexual assault or excuse me, sexual harassment, not assault in the workplace. I'm not going to talk about it long and I will absolutely not speak in depth regarding any uncomfortable workplace encounters. As I mentioned in episode five, I'm sharing stories and experiences that may be uncomfortable, but they are real and they happen in work environments everywhere daily. And they're applicable to the information and resources that I'm providing. If you have any questions or concerns about the things that I'm bringing up in this episode, please pause it here, 
and go listen to episode five called Buckle Up Your Biases. But if you are keeping on and you're here with me, you have every right to skip past this to the end if you're not in a good headspace to listen right now. But please come back to it when your heart is doing well. So if you as as an employee are not covered, pay attention to what training looks like. Is it hands-on? Does it go on for an abnormally long time? (laughs) Does it include resources? Does it feel responsive to your abilities and understanding? Are you given what you need to succeed? Because you you will receive some kind of training, whether it's like, hey, here's your login to your computer or here's how to ring through a transaction. But what does your overall training actually look like? Because this will be one of the first clues that you get to how much you are or are not covered in your workplace environment. Next, find healthy ways to interact with your stress, like things that make you whole, not things that make you more stressed, more exhausted, or more angry. You need to walk away feeling well at the end of the day. Next, get things in writing, whether it's an email saying, hey, loved our conversation today. Just to confirm, here's the things that we talked about, Uh, putting it in your inbox so neither one of us forget. In my job here, I had had loads of red flags, which we will talk about in a minute, but one of them was that I had written approval in an email to take vacation time. I booked plane tickets and then, and I did this like six to eight months out. And then two months out when I reminded my boss that he would need to have someone cover my pipeline or my task list during those few weeks, he informed me that I no longer had approval to go and I needed to reschedule. I did not, (laughs) did not reschedule. I was going with a group. I was going overseas. Tickets were purchased. Travel plans were in place. And I reminded him of that, stood my ground, fought for what I believed in and ended up going and still had a job when I came back. Now next, and this is where, this is where if, if you are not in a good head or heart space, please pause it and just come back later. It's totally fine. There's no, no offense taken. I want you to take care of yourself first. But if you're an employee and you're not feeling covered, one key thing is if you're feeling weird vibes, start to pay attention. I, in this role, was at one of the lowest levels in our in our company. I was starting out. I had a lot of room to go up if I wanted to. And there was somebody who was higher up, uh, worked in the regional office. And this person began to kind of pay extra attention to me. Uh, he would swing by my office, see how things were going, hang out and talk for a while. He didn't even work in my office, just so you know. He was on the third floor of my building and I was on the first. Uh, and he didn't really interact with anyone else in my office. And so at one point he said, hey, you know, a couple of us from upstairs are going to grab lunch together. And he like rambled off this list of people who were going to be there. And he was like, there's a few people in your role, you know, there's I." Uh, uh, somebody else. I don't know, but it felt like enough people that I was like, you know what? Sure. Like, I don't know anyone in the regional office. That sounds really fun. So I met them at a restaurant that was fairly close to the office and turns out ain't nobody else coming. It's just this bro. And I start to realize like, okay, there were some weird, weird vibes going on. And essentially through this conversation and through the weeks after Uh, I realized that he was attempting to get me to 
go on dates with him in order to get a promotion, and then withholding training and access to resources when I refused. So all that to say, if you feel weird vibes, (laughs) pay attention to them. And this can go for all genders, all sexuality. Just pay attention to the things that make you feel something different. Watch body language. And I'm not talking about just the person across from you. I mean, genuinely pay attention to your body language. See how you feel when certain things happen and listen closely to how your body responds. Do you feel kind of cringy? Do things make you second guess yourself? Uh, Do you get frustrated? Do you uh, second guess your ability, your position, or your worth? Do you get like nervous or frustrated or stressed? Pay attention to these things. And also, pay attention to the things you hear around the office. I'm not saying to seek out gossip. In fact, please don't. But I, when I was in my role, was hearing evidence that our team was expected to be on call 24-7. Like, literally. (laughs) And not just on call, but like, drive and deliver things to clients in the evenings or early in the mornings when it was inconvenient for the client to come into the office. Uh, And I didn't fully believe it until I began to experience it personally. You have to set boundaries and understand what you're walking into and how you may want to remain in your role longer. Now, if you want to pause it, here's where I would pause it or skip ahead a few minutes. But there's an article in the Harvard Business Review that was published in May of 2020 called Why Sexual Harassment Programs Backfire. And it stated that 40% of women and 16% of men report that they have experienced sexual harassment in the workplace. And it said, remarkably, these numbers have not changed since the 1980s, (laughs) y'all. It's remarkably important that we listen and pay close attention to red flags in the workplace. And here's the deal. If you seek out red flags everywhere that you work, you will find an abundance of them. And you really won't want to work anywhere. But paying attention to warnings, whether it's regarding sexual harassment, uh, somebody controlling whether or not a promotion is in play, or being cornered in your office over something that you do that literally aligns with the legal structure of your business. It's simply, this awareness simply means that you are aware of your surroundings and you pay attention to the things that you experience and how your body responds to certain interactions. And finally, regardless of what your job looks like, regardless of what your experiences are, good, bad, in-between, neutral, regardless of uh, what you're seeing, what you're hearing, what you're learning, what you're encountering, fight for the things that you truly believe in. And if you hit a wall, leave. I came across an Instagram account recently. Uh, The handle is Career Contessa. And her website is www.careercontessa.com. But she posted 10 signs that you're in a toxic work environment. And I wanted to share these because after this little conversation, it kind of felt like a good moment to say, hey, (laughs) if you're seeing red flags and you don't know what to do, here's maybe a way to analyze them. But she said the 10 signs that you're in a toxic work environment are these. Number one, bad communication. Two, Clicks, exclusion, and gossipy behavior. Three, poor leadership. Four, unmotivated coworkers. Five, stifled growth. Six, rapid employee turnover. Seven, no work-life balance. Eight, you feel burnout. Nine, no forward movement. And 10, because your gut is telling you. 
You desire to show up authentically in the world around you, and I want that for you too. I don't tell you these things for, like I said, for sympathy, for uh, to throw anyone under the bus. I tell you these things because I want you to be covered in your place of work, for you to understand what that means and be able to cover those around you, and to do so in a capacity that is healthy, includes boundaries, and mutual honor. And I want you to be able to realize when it's time to leave or when it may be time to dig your heels in a little bit and figure out an alternative route, route, excuse me, good Lord, within the company. I get so caught up talking about y'all. I get excited and I start to, to stumble. But know this, you are the primary focus in these conversations because I want you to focus on you. Once you know how to show up authentically to guard your heart, to interact with those around you, to admit mistakes, and address areas of change with wisdom, you will be healthy, your work environment will be healthier, your team will be healthier, and the experience that your client has when working with you will skyrocket. And all of this gets you more business, more income, and more exposure to potential clients. So take some time, lean into you, and keep in mind If you are experiencing red flags, some weird ass shit, or anything else in the workplace that feels like you're all alone, you're probably not. And if nothing else, know that I've got your back and there's a whole world out there who wants the best for you. There you have it. My two cents on the topics that I kind of wish were common knowledge. So go out there, be the best authentic you humanly possible, and make today a good one.